Welcome to the State Change Podcast, where we discuss the issues and subjects that surround the construction of the new internet. I'm your host, Arthur Falls. Recalling State Change number 40, the weaponized AI propaganda machine, we discuss at length the value of attention. Today, we take the subject to its maximum extent. Software engineer Simon de la Rouvier and biochemical engineer Meher Roy shed light on how the battle for our attention is the basis for the online economy. We even see it in the business models of the two biggest internet companies on earth, Facebook and Google. That ever-present question of how blockchain will affect these dynamics hangs over the discourse. Simon envisions a post-scarcity world in which the only remaining economy is the attention economy. Meher takes a more conservative position. Between these two perspectives, we get a foundational understanding of the dynamics involved and a view of how they might evolve. With me today on State Change, um, Simon De La Rouvier and Meher Roy. So let's start off with a uh, with introductions. So uh, Meher, would you uh, would you describe your background and how you became involved in the field that you're currently involved in? I, I'm I'm I guess I, I'm now a crypto entrepreneur. I work full time on technologies related to mostly smart contracts. Uh, I started out in a very different field. I started out as a biochemical engineer working at Novartis, a large pharmaceutical company. At some point in my life, I used to build vaccines uh, that we used to ship all over the world. And I used to manage supply chains for the vaccine trade. Then the Bitcoin bug hit me. And I guess I've been dedicating more and more of my life towards like Bitcoin and quote-unquote blockchain technologies for the past three years. Finally decided to do it full-time. Yeah, um, so I've, for the past two and a half years, I've been a full-stack developer in the Ethereum space. Uh, before that, I got the Bitcoin bug in 2011. Uh, I went down two weeks on a rabbit hole, uh, wondering if this was actually real. And it was, and it was really amazing to, to see it actually exist and actually working. Uh, before that, I was into sort of computer science slash the intersection between sociology and psychology. Um, I did a master's degree on information overload and how people deal with it. Um, and so over time, I started when I started thinking about like blockchain technology, I was fascinated by the idea that we can use this to create new kinds of, you know, organizational designs or just like making it possible to enable people to like economically enable people. And then eventually the two started merging unexpectedly after various conversations with various people that I could actually do something with my research, my master's degree and like how we build online communities and how we deal with communication and actually blockchains could help surface novel information. Um, so that's like the one thing that I'm busy with. And then the other one is also in the aspect of like creating agency is allowing artists and musicians to create a living. Um, so Ujo is the other project I'm primarily involved in at the moment. So the attention economy, could you guys define that term and, and try and explain for the audience a little bit around its its origins and, uh, and, and how it applies to some of the uh, constructs on the internet that we're familiar with today? Sure. So I think... Simon and I will have different 
definitions or understanding of the term attention economy. But the way I think of it is, the underlying basis for any form of economy is a, is a trade in a scarce commodity. If you might imagine a very early ag- agricultural society, the trade that is happening inside that society is happening around the scarce commodity of, let's say, wheat. That is a scarce commodity that not every member of that particular, let's say, tribal or early society has. And therefore, members of this society are willing to give up something else in return for rice or wheat. Right? So, trade is, trade is always centered around some form of scarce commodity. And we figure out ways how to exchange this scarce commodity between people. And we generally do it through the money mechanism, right? Now, the attention economy is, to me, simply the set of mechanisms and trades that happen when you assume that the attention of a large group of people or of individuals is a scarce commodity. Imagine like like the whole global population that is there on the internet today, right? So it might be three to five billion people. And each of these people might spend on average, let's say two hours browsing various parts of the of the internet. And I'm, I'm counting applications such as Twitter and Facebook as parts of the internet, although they are you know, closed parts of the internet. Three billion people multiplied by two hours per person, let's say. So like there are six billion man hours of time invested in looking at various parts of the internet. You can start to think of this six billion man hours per day as a scarce commodity because the parts of the web where this scarce commodity is invested could end up defining how the real world shapes up. So let's take a simple example. You assume something like r slash Ethereum, right? So on r slash Ethereum, today we have 36,000 subscribers, right? And at any point, point in time, there's 300 people online at r slash Ethereum. When these 300 people are online, they're looking at some d- d- defined pieces of content on r slash Ethereum. And what appears, the pieces of content that appear on r slash Ethereum are, for example, going to dictate how successful a particular crowd sale is. So when you look at r slash Ethereum, it is just a list of ordered content from top to bottom. But what is contained inside that list of content is going to determine financial outcomes in the real world. The places where humans invest their time and their attention on the internet end up defining how real resources in the world are ultimately allocated. Right? So if all of us, for example, put our time or our attention resources towards looking at stuff related to global warming, you can imagine that the world would solve the problem of global warming faster. So where the 6 billion man hours per day are invested, what kind of themes are they invested around, ends up determining what happens in the real world, right? So you can see that these 6 billion man hours are a really scarce commodity. Now, as soon as you have a system like that, as soon as you imagine it from from this perspective, you will realize that it makes sense for humans to try to influence where other people pay attention to. And ultimately, all of us, businesses, individuals, organizations, we are willing to go to the extent of investing our own time and our own money 
in order to direct or channel the attention of others towards a cause we care about. So what this leads to is ultimately me wanting to pay somebody in order that a lot of other people might look at my project or a company saying, I want to pay somebody in order that a lot of people come to my website, right? What this leads to is almost always a trade, a trade between the attention, number of clicks or number of eyeballs and capital, which is money. Me wanting to pay money in order to get clicks. And that's the trade that happens in the attention economy. And like this, this trade is what basically creates the attention economy. So every day there are like thou- like millions of these trades happening already. And the summation of all of these trades is the attention economy. So Simon, how do you see this mechanism affecting the way that culture is distributed? Yeah, that's that's interesting. First of like the description Mary gave is very is, is interesting. I, I, I like the way you always describe things in much more detailed in a sense. I'm usually more attached to like the bigger picture feeling of, of these kind of things. Um, before I get to that specific answer of how it affects the distribution of certain kinds of culture, to me, like the intention economy signifies a trend where the the battle for people's attention has, has relatively existed for quite a while. You know, advertisements isn't a new thing. But over time, as we've seen with uh, the way the Internet's changed, the way technology has changed, is that we're more and more increasingly moving towards a society where, in quotation marks, post-scarcity, which means that most of the stuff is getting taken care of for us. Like our next thing that we care about is the ability for us to attract attention because that's the last, like Mayor said, the last limited resource is time itself and like our ability to pay attention to things. Um, And so you already start seeing in various forms how this affects how culture distributes in general. You know, the, the things that are most valuable to society is, or like we would say like, why are why is like the certain memes about certain people substantially more popular than the importance of things like let's build a multiplanetary society right it's not necessarily that these specific memes like they they are in power for people's attention but it's not to say that what's regarded as the best meme for society is the one will attract attention um so you can see things like the popularity of people doing dumb things on the internet is very popular because that's an easy way to attract people's attention. And so the culture that will be distributed are, for good and bad, um, the the culture that attracts the most attention. Um, And to correlate to that was interesting. Um, Last week, I was at Africa Burn, which is the, the largest regional burning man down here in South Africa. And for most people, when you look at that, burner culture it represents what's regarded as supposed scarce future it's like a prototypical society of what could potentially be what the world could could be potentially be like in a sense that there is no trade there is no uh, there's only gifting like i can only give you something so there is no trading that happens in there but there is actually an economy in there uh what's that's not clearly visible or what we regard as money or commodity which is just like Whatever you build, whatever you make there, whatever you present to people, the most popular things get the attention. And if you can get people to your thing that you built, then you that's regarded as, as a success. 
So the last thing that we have to prove our worth to society when we think about the fact that what if money or labor uh, disappears as something that's regarded as valuable, then it's literally how much, how much attention can you grab? And that is a Pandora's box because it, it is both good and bad, I think. It's a, you, you will see things attract attention that could be detrimental to society simply because it's a, it's a hack to our brains. Can you give an example of this in action today in a way that uh, that we interact with on a daily basis and how it affects our experience of the world and uh, and how it affects the way that we interact with one another? So I have two simple examples, right? So one is one is Google and and the other is Facebook and these are like two most important like trading mechanisms or trading platforms for the attention economy. I started a business account in Facebook last year because I have a company that does blockchain education and we wanted to reach people in Facebook. Now, as soon as you create a business account in Facebook and you start to post things about your business, what Facebook ends up advertising to you every day on your email is that um, if you pay Facebook's, let's say, around 10 francs, which is around $10, they will make sure our post reaches 1,500 people. And we have, done, we, have, we have done this time and again. So we pay Facebook 10 francs. Our post reaches 1,500 people. Out of those 1,500 people, 50 people end up liking it. And we get traffic on our website. What is our motivation here? Like we have a service. We are producing something that we think is valuable. Like maybe blockchain education. But this could be anything else. This could, this could be a blog. This could be a, a song. Or this could be a ticket we are willing to sell. And we want people to get to know about it. We want, to, we want people to discover our information. In order for that more people might discover our information, we are willing to give Facebook cold hard cash. So Arthur's feed is a summation of what his friends want him to see and what other people are, are wanting Arthur to pay attention to. Right? And since Facebook touches like billions of us, all of our feeds are built that way. And so all of our feeds are actually built on this trade, the trade of capital money in exchange for the attention of people like Arthur and all of us. So, so this is how like the, the trade, the machine works inside Facebook. Our news feeds are a production of the attention, are a product of the attention trade and our search results are a product of the attention trade. And pretty much everything you do on the internet is a product of the attention trade, right? And so this is how the attention economy already impacts us. Hmm. I think the, the the interesting thing there, that I think what could could happen uh, in, as time goes on is like you, you gave mention there of two, basically two big marketplaces, probably the two biggest marketplaces for attention. And it's Facebook and Google currently. But I feel like my thinking uh, you know, they, they are in control of this property that exists, which is there, there's this property where attention is channeled to through. Um, and so they have the opportunity to create a marketplace because there is just a lot of attention channeled through there. But to me, it feels like um, going forward is there will be the possibility and opportunity for a lot more marketplaces to start to exist, meaning uh, people can create things that attract attention and they are in control of the marketplace rather than Facebook and Google being in control of the marketplace. And an example of this that I like to use is um, uh, as, as, as a sort of 
prototypical attention economy like this, where people created a market for attention, is Dogecoin. Like Dogecoin to me was probably one of the most fascinating experiments that arrived on the cryptocurrency scene, simply because it changed just completely like how these crypto tokens can work. What Dogecoin did is basically saying there's this funny meme and we attach a token to a funny meme. And suddenly what it did is it also um, like it was it's not just wasn't just funny thing. But what it also did was it attracted people to the Doge meme itself. So people were able to go and or take existing meme, attach value to it, create a marketplace for that value and, and in such way attract more attention to that specific marketplace which is the marketplace of the doge meme so to speak and strangely enough like when you think about it in facebook or google scenario the attention flows to facebook and google and facebook google gets to extract value from it right uh by creating this marketplace but something like dogecoin was that anyone could who was a participant in the currency at a certain point in time could also extract value from it just by being a part of this ecosystem and so what happened was you would you had things where suddenly a new marketplace was created. It was a funny meme attached to a, to a cryptocurrency, and it actually managed to buy sponsorship for a race car, right? Like that's a way in which this actually started affecting the real world. Like this attention economy gravitated towards this new cryptocurrency that then affected the real world, which was very fascinating to see. And I think that that to me is a signal that hopefully we'll see more marketplaces exist or like at least create a new long tail of marketplaces um, for attention. Um, so that, you know, it's not just Facebook or Google that gets to, that gets to be the, 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 the platforms or the projects that, that extract value from it. Simon raises a very important concept that um, I think is going to influence how influence the future of blockchain technology. If, if it's fine with you, Arthur, I would like to express it in my kind of own words. By all means. So in my own words, the way I understand like Simon's statement, and I understand it a bit differently, um, is that what the blockchain really changes is it changes the way the supply chain or the value chain of information, how it works on the internet. Right. So if you look at the current value chain of information, right? So what do you, first first of all, what do you mean when I say value chain, right? So so imagine anything in your room, right? Like you might imagine a, like a piece of glass, right? Or you might imagine glass with you know milk in it. In order to have that glass with milk in it, you needed like two raw materials. You needed the the glass and you needed the milk. For the milk, what did you need? You need you needed somebody to transport that milk so that you could buy that thing from the grocery, right? And in order for somebody to transport that milk, you needed a farm. And in order for the farm, you needed the cow, right? And similarly for the glass, you needed a, a place that could manufacture the glass. And, and maybe that the, the people who are manufacturing the glass, they have a particular raw material that they manufacture the glass with, right? So this is a supply chain, right? So every object that we use in our daily lives has a supply chain behind it or a value chain behind it. Now, the way we consume information on the web today is we consume it through news feeds of some form, right? So a news feed, what is a news feed? A news feed is like a sequence of content that appears one after the other. So when I go to Facebook, 
I see pieces of information about my friends and politics and everything else in the world coming to me one after the other. Twitter is the same, a sequence of content appearing one after the other, Reddit is also the same, right? So you can imagine this as being a supply chain, me the consumer of, of information, then followed up by like a corporation like Facebook, which is followed by like a newsfeed algorithm. That newsfeed algorithm needs signals or likes. That newsfeed algorithm also needs a, a trading system. And then those likes in turn need pieces of content to be created and hosted. Right? So that's the supply chain of information on the web. Right? Now, the way the web works today is companies like Facebook try to own the whole supply chain from start to end. So when Arthur inputs something into a Facebook, he creates a post. Facebook wants to be the only one which knows the totality of things Arthur has posted on Facebook. So when Arthur is posting something on Facebook, he's a content creator, right? He's, he's creating information. And when Arthur is creating information, Facebook wants to be the sole authority that knows the whole set of information Arthur has created from now, like, you know, on, on, on his timeline. Then, let's say Arthur creates a piece of information and then Simon likes what Arthur has created, right? So Simon is, when Simon is liking something, Simon is signaling that this particular piece of content created by Arthur is important, right? That is what it means when we say Simon signals. When Simon signals, his like is also observed by Facebook. So in a day, Simon might like a hundred things and Facebook observes all of those hundred things and stores it in a database. Let's say that same piece of content then appears in Meher's feed and Meher end up, ends up liking it. Facebook stores what Meher likes as well. So all of these signals, these likes, they are stored by Facebook. So once Facebook owns the content and the likes, they can feed this to its own internal newsfeed algorithm. The newsfeed algorithm has a second input, which is like a marketplace, right? So people that are a company, let's say consensus, the company, wanting people like Meher, Simon and Arthur to see their particular piece of content and they pay Facebook in order to do that. So the newsfeed algorithm takes into account all of these signals and all of the, all of the money that it's been paid to. And then the newsfeed algorithm can compose a newsfeed and then the Facebook, the corporation can distribute this newsfeed via apps to all of its, all of its users. Right? That is how the supply chain works. The supply chain is the, these corporations, they try to own the whole supply chain. Twitter is the same, Reddit is the same. right? I think the the very very interesting strategic play that is coming uh, and that the blockchain industry is doing without even maybe even consciously realizing it is that pieces of information or, or content can now reside on a system like IPFS or Swarm independent of a particular corporation and then ultimately signals or your likes can also reside on a platform independent of a particular corporation. So your uh, your signals or likes can reside on a blockchain. And both the pieces of content and the signals can be open for anybody to view. Once you shift from just a few corporations owning pieces of content and signals to everybody open to view and use these uh, content and signals, then the competition shifts to the upper layer, right? There can be like thousands of companies that are just building news feeds and uh, they all have this 
raw data layer with to which they have access to content and signals and they can just compose a news feed and all of us can basically choose which company we want to entrust with generating our news feed instead of just facebook being able to make my news feed instead of just twitter facebook and reddit being able to make the news feeds i see there could be in the future like thousands of companies that i am entrusting in order to build my news feeds the uh, uh, sorry if i can interrupt there um yeah it's okay sorry yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead but i think i think like that that vision to me is is interesting um because like you know that the, the fact that you have this possibility that that anyone can build their own filters on on an open layer of signals it's an exciting idea but like the the only thing that i that i think when i hear that is you know, it will be difficult to still unseat the absolutely monstrous network effect that Facebook, for example, has, both in terms of the data that they have and already the people that are using it, using it for their benefit. You know, it's sort of, they are extremely good at, like, taking that data and making it the newsfeed novel. Um, it's not to say that over time, like, open source stuff will actually produce a better algorithm eventually but like and and with enough data that that could happen uh, i just i just i just wonder if if that race is even possible like you know could facebook just like forever be ahead in terms of just being able to produce a better news feed and like i remember doing my research for my master's research on like how facebook's news feed works and like how well they're doing and one of the things that was very apparent is that one of the key things that facebook is good at is having over time been able to increase their engagement which means more like in the allotted time that you have during the day more and more people are spending their time on facebook versus any other activities that they're doing so they're incredibly good at making sure you come back and that news feed stays novel and so the the competing news feeds let's say the new open source news feeds I feel like they would probably have to provide something more than just being a good news feed. And, and I think I think we've had the discussion before, maybe I don't recall, but like one of the things that I feel that's probably important here is to make sure that when you have an open source alternative where there could be a better news feed, to incentivize people to use and try that is to include actually a way for users to also make money from this. You know, to that large third incentive, which is if you've been using this new news feed that is slightly worse than Facebook news feed, but if you come back and somehow the attention economy and trades stuff happen and you have an extra $5 or $5 of ether or whatever, that, that will make people come back. That will definitely make people come back. Truly, truly. So what I'm hearing though is, and this is kind of a, uh, this is kind of an undertone is that there are these two huge entities that monopolize or duopolize this economy that we're discussing, Google and Facebook. And in an earlier episode, we discussed the problem with having these uh, these central entities, uh, first of all, monopolizing uh, identity, and secondly, monopolizing these information feeds that uh, that influence our view of the world and the ability for them to be manipulated by uh, parties that have large capital resources and and the fact that this is a 
And the fact that this is a market means that those capital resources can be converted into actual attention. And that attention can be used to manipulate uh, and control people's worldview. And as you mentioned uh, earlier, Mehr, affect change in the real world. And so this seems like, well, we're talking about the, uh, the possibility of new smaller attention economy players, uh, the existence of these large players and the existence of the attention economy itself is actually a very powerful force, both for good, but also certainly for evil. Yeah, that, that's true. Like, so like at, at some level, when, when we think that the key, the key trade behind the attention economy is like, like here's money get me attention, get me clicks, people on my website, people reading my stuff, people commenting on my stuff. I think the, the natural, our natural instinct is to, is to distrust this trade, right? Like, like think of this as a very manipulative trade or uh, even sometimes wish this trade did not exist, right? Because we, we somehow think that, uh, because we think that, um, this trade is a way of kind of producing bias of some form inside society, but it's bias that is paid for by, by somebody. But I, I'm kind of of the opinion that this trade is a good thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a natural thing. And this trade of money for attention will always remain. And in fact, this will be there in, in blockchain systems. In fact, blockchain innovators are going to make money building this trade on the blockchain. I, I actually I agree with that sense and that the you know the people that are using this attention economy for supposed nefarious reasons like like polit- manipulating political sentiment and so forth that we saw with with Brexit and the the, uh, the I don't know what they I don't recall the company but there was this company that could build like these hyper profiles of people and force them to change their political sentiment is that Cambridge Analytica I think yeah that's the one so like that. That idea, I think, when you when you look back at like how society was, like if you had access to capital, you could in some way force people to do things just because you had access to capital. Maybe previously it was actually just, hey, I can do some violence against you to stop you, to get you to do things. Now it's sort of, I have access to capital and I can get you to pay attention to do things. I think the thing that you, you can't necessarily divorce that trade or remove it. I, th- I think we can potentially try to increase transparency in these kind of trades. Um, and also, I think at the end of the day, what would be cool is, you know, if it's obvious that someone is trying to, f- to change my political sentiment, that one, I, I, it, 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 it can hopefully be more transparent. Uh, but two, the other thing that would be cool is like, even if it's not transparent, that if someone's trying to change my viewpoints, uh, at least pay me for it. <laughs> you know, Facebook is taking the money for changing my political sentiment, but can't I get the money for that? <laughs> it, it it can be totally blinded. You know, it can still be a blinded process. Like no one no one knows what's happening. I'm just getting money, and I don't know where where it's coming from. But someone has been trying to get my attention. Yeah. Uh, I think people will be more okay with that. Um, if if that's the case. Simon is exactly right. Like me. I think the what the blockchain could allow is ultimately to build the the mechanism by which this trade happens, and build it in a way that 
is more transparent or maybe more fair or maybe even the only thing the blockchain might end up doing is instead of there being like these two or three big trading marketplaces there could be many right you could produce competition inside inside the system so we don't know exactly how the blockchain will succeed right uh, but i think one of the big directions that is coming in in the future is blockchain innovators figuring out ways of building these trading marketplaces attention trading marketplaces differently we don't we don't know what the big successes of of this are are are, are going to be uh necessarily but i think one of the key key things that are going to feature in it is somehow we will incentivize people to participate in these new blockchain based marketplaces we'll either incentivize the attention payer to participate in these blockchain based trading marketplaces or we'll incentivize the person who is creating the content to participate here or we'll incentivize the person who's signaling the person that's liking stuff to participate here by offering them some form of crypto tokens and the perfect example of this is steam yeah i think combining those two things is the is the is the key parts here because uh you know the idea of distributing a social network it's has been around for definitely a few years i mean um you know diaspora was the one that was quite popular and then it didn't go anywhere like app.net was one which gave back power to the developers after twitter uh, um hamstrung their api and now like mastodon is is becoming a popular again like the idea of distributing a social network i don't think that's enough and then on the other side you had companies going like two was one of them where they basically said like hey use use our social network and you as the user get paid but it's not a distributed social network right so in a two you had these two two competing uh, like two different kinds of social networks popping up like one had the developer interest and like giving back control and the other one was like actually paying you for using this thing but like the blockchain is the trifecta here where it actually allows you to have a developer network which has access to time like that was always the problem as well with these these uh, like services like app.net is unfortunately it's awesome you have developer access here but in order to unseat a network effect as large as facebook you, know, you you need access to time and luckily blockchains are open source systems that can stay on as long as they're still useful so the developers can disappear but the blockchain can still stay around so like when you have the possibility for these new kind of social feeds to give people money and allow it to be decentralized distributed and allow developers to build on top of it i think that's a very 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 large holy grail So there's a glaring unexplored um path from this conversation and that is what happens when the capital to attention trade disappears uh and I'm talking about in this uh in the post scarcity uh world in the post scarcity economy what does the attention economy look like then I actually think the capital for attention trade will never disappear but its body might change if if this technology succeeds think of think of any industry like think of the industry for uh, construction the the thing that the building industry sells ultimately is safety from the natural environment right so when when i'm building a building i'm basically 
selling safety from the natural environment to a group of people that are going to live in my building. That was true 5,000 years ago. That was true 2,000 years ago today. What has changed is the tools by which I'm actually able to sell safety from the natural environment. So maybe 500 years ago, I was selling safety from the natural environment by using stones, the large stones that were like quarried in a mine that was maybe 100 kilometers away. Right? I was using that sandstone and the tools around sandstone in order to sell the service of uh, safety from the natural environment. Similarly, the attention economy is not something that is new. Right? This is something that is super old. As soon as you invent the technology for writing and as soon as you have places where you wrote something and people are going to look at it, there's always an attention economy, right? So in the in the early days, you might imagine, like say, the ancient, ancient Mesopotamians or something, where very few people could write. And what they wrote would be dictated by a king. That is an attention economy, right? That, that, that king can tell the person, tell the scribe to write whatever the king wants attention to be paid to. And the king is paying the scribe. I think it probably goes back even more than that, like um, in a sense of... Even more. In a, in a sense, like you see the concept of the attention economy in, 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 in other animals as well. It's like the simple way... It comes back to signaling, signaling theory, which is like, I, I need to find a way to, to, to produce something that shows my value or contributions in some way. Like, you know, the antlers on a, on a male buck for example is or like the the feathers of a peacock or whatever is like these are signals that attract that show and attract attention for specific outcomes um and so you know i i, I agree with mary here i, I think this, this this has existed in some form and it comes back to this like signaling theory and it will continue to exist my thinking is that um if i can continue this thought is that um I think it's probably likely that what we regard to be as post-scarcity will actually be, you know, will actually unlock the ability to produce scarcity for a lot more things. Um, the act of being able to track the value of something in society will blow up. Like, you know, now we have, like, say, you know, several hundred, I'm not sure how many, like, national currencies that track the contributions in a certain geographical region of people there. But now we can say, well, you know, let's create a marketplace for attention for a song, like a piece of content, just like millions and millions of things and trade all of that value that's in terms of complexity theory, a better fitness function towards the cost of the market. Instead of the their trades disappearing our only trades will be just like trading attention because everything else will be kind of taken care of that our only thing that we lost that will that will still have value is the ability to to attract attention um and i also think just like we will still want to attract attention uh in a in in a post scarce society like you know now we now we can look at things and say like you know the labor that i produce is valuable or the money that i have is a proxy for how valuable my contributions to society were but all those things are slightly and slowly disappearing or becoming warped through technological leverage like the amount of hours that i put in as a software developer uh, creates a lot more money than the hours being put in by a construction worker that's just the way technology works 
but we're still putting the same amount of hours in. While in the industrial revolution, like during that time, labor was more directly car like if just before the industrial revolution, labor was more directly correlated to your value. Literally, just how many hours you work, how many hours you did something. But now you have access to leverage, which means that changes the di the dynamics. But at the end of the day, like why are we doing all these things? Like why are we like we're all still producing value and contributing to society? Because and this is going to sound crude, because we still as humans like our final thing is that we want to create more humans, right? So like you still need to prove your that that at the end of the day it comes down to being able to produce uh, or like at least show your value to society in order to. Uh, in the sense of a peacock attract attention of a mate. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, I guess, I guess we could summarize it as saying, the trade of capital for attention has always existed, and I'm making the weaker statement that uh, blockchains will allow us to build this trade differently. <laughs> Simon is making the stronger statement that we will go into a, into a society where this is the biggest and probably the only trade that is happening in society but <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 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 I, yeah so uh, yeah i think i think i think that's how we could encapsulate it hey well fantastic i think that's a perfect wrap on that uh, on that discussion unless there's anything you guys want to add Thank you for having us on. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, before we go, though, where can people find out about you guys and a bit more about your writings, your other publishing stuff? Uh, I have a Medium page uh, at SimonDLR that has a bunch of my writing on there and also a bunch of links to all the other stuff I've written, like Google Docs and other blogs, older blogs and so forth. For me, uh, I'm... Uh... I'm building a I'm building a website where all my content would exist, but as I don't have it, um, my Twitter account is the best place to reach me. So I think it's twitter.com/meherroy m-e-h-e-r-r-o-y. Hey, absolute pleasure! Thanks, uh, thanks for joining me, guys, and I'll see you in New York for too long. Yeah, awesome! Excited. <laughs> if you'd like to hear more, subscribe to State Change on iTunes or find us at statechange.net. You can follow us on Twitter at statechange underscore. And if you have any comments about the show or any questions, email contact at statechange.net.